0: welcome to 168 days of magic this is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes nurtures and excites you each episode we'll be looking at how mindfulness productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world My name's Jordan Harcourt Hughes, and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey, and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners, and life coaches to help us on our journey. Well, welcome back to episode five of the podcast. Great to have you with me again today. Today, we're going to be talking about the characteristics of a project. So if you're mapping out your project or your side hustle, what are the things that you should be thinking to incorporate? Uh, I'm going to be talking about intuitive creativity And my podcast chat is with life coach Amy Cook. And finally, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the ideas behind the book that I'm working on. So if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, you'll know that my creative project for this series is illustrations for my second novel. But I also wanted to just start with sharing a few of the ideas behind the novel itself, which are informing my exploration of the illustrations as well. So today I'm just gonna take a few quick minutes to talk about how do you know your project is a project? So looking at the key characteristics of a creative project. So not every project is the same, so there's a good chance that yours will vary. You may not have all of these characteristics, but there's a good few things to tick off here if you wanted to think through what you're doing and think about if it actually qualifies as a project. The first one is that a project has a definable purpose or an end result. So you wanna have a goal in mind and you wanna have something that you actually want to do. So for example, with mine, my goal is to get some illustrations done for my second novel. The next characteristic that you might wanna consider is that every project is unique. It requires doing something different that hasn't been done previously. So it's not about your daily routine. It's not going about life as normal. It's about doing something new and exciting. There are also temporary activities. So a project isn't something that just keeps going on and on and on. It has a start date and a finish date. Uh, And actually that's what makes it great because it's containable. You can set aside some time and for the 168 days uh, project or process it's six months. And it means that you can do as much as you can in that six months and then you can stop. It's a good way to be able to frame it and say actually this is just for a, a piece of time I'm going to dedicate my energy and see what happens and then at the end of that six months you can step back and evaluate and see right what have I done what have I achieved what's the next step after this so another characteristic of a project is that it involves unfamiliarity so we haven't done it before so this means we're in new territory this is exciting but it also means that we have to be comfortable with a certain amount of uncertainty uh, we have to take some risks we have to play in a new space and all of these can be both exciting and challenging at the same time. So another characteristic of a project is objective. So what do you want to do? What are you looking to achieve? Uh, and you might have one thing or a list of things that you want to get out of your project. Another characteristic of a project is that it probably is going to take a little bit of money depending on the scale of your project, but it's completely up to you. I always say through the 168 Days of Magic program that you're absolutely in control of you so you can spend $500 or $5. It's really whatever is um, most sensible for you. The one thing I really love, and this is the final thing that I've got to say in terms of a characteristic of a project, is that there is the opportunity for change and transformation. So the reason that we take on a project is often because we want to move into a new space, we want to make a change, we want want something in our life to be better. So we're going to put the energy into a project which will help make that happen. And that process offers the opportunity for transformation and that is just an incredibly exciting thing. Not only does a project change throughout its lifespan, but we change as we do the project. And we change because we're learning new things, we're looking at things like risk, we're putting ourselves in a space of uncertainty. All of these things can have a terrific impact on our sense of self and identity. They can challenge us, they can make us question things, they make us search for new answers, new knowledge, new insights. And this is why it's so transformative. So this is one of the wonderful parts of a project that it can offer us such opportunity for personal growth, professional growth and absolutely creative growth. So if you're ready to get creative, the 168 Days of Magic Studio Programme kicks off in February. You can book for that on my website. I'd love to have you with us here in the studio. The Studio Programme is a six-month journey that combines mindfulness, creativity, and productivity, much like the podcast. The benefit is that you get to come and play in the studio and work on your own creative project or side hustle over a six-month period. So check that out on the website, jordanharcorthughes.com. It would be great to have you here. So one of the things I wanted to talk more on today in the episode was intuitive creativity. I use both of these words a lot. I'm an intuitive artist and so I love to explore how we work with our intuition. But let's start back at the basics. What is intuition? How do we use it? And how could you potentially use it for yourself and for your creative project? So the word intuition comes from the Latin intuary, which roughly translates as the teacher inside, which I think is fantastic. I love this idea that we can tap into our own inner guidance and wisdom and intelligence. So intuition meaning the teacher inside makes absolute and perfect sense to me. The American architect and inventor and futurist, Buckminster Fuller, said that intuition is having integrity with oneself. So Francis P. Cole is another writer who authors the intuitive compass And in an article in Psychology Today, he talked about um, how he defined instinct and intuition. So he says, instinct is our innate inclination towards a particular behavior as opposed to a learned response. Uh, He also talks about it being our gut feeling or a hunch, a sensation that appears quickly in consciousness and is noticeable enough to be acted upon if we choose to, without being fully aware of the underlying reasons for for why it's actually popped up in our mind. Uh, And it's a process that gives us the ability to know something directly without analytical reasoning bridging the gap between the conscious and non-conscious parts of our minds, and also between instinct and reason. I identify with that a lot and I always find that I love getting into that process of being able to act quickly without thinking too much and in all of my classes, I encourage people to get into that process of writing quickly, of painting quickly, of drawing quickly, because we just we don't want to overthink it. Uh, the moment we overthink it is when we start trying to rationalise things, over, overthinking, which leads to worrying and caution. Am I doing it right? Does it look like anything? You know, we kind of want to be able to brush that aside and just see what comes as we start to move more quickly and intuitively. So getting to that intuition point is really something that I, I always try very hard to focus on because I think that's where the good creativity comes from when we've taken off that layer of caution. So for me there is a massive link between intuition and creativity and with my process for creating illustrations that's essentially what I'm doing because I'm not starting out with a rational thinking through process of this is what I think the picture could look like. The way that I work is to work on a you know, hundreds of different little pieces all at the one time and I move very quickly between each one. So when I'm doodling I'll just do very quick doodles and I'll put them aside and I won't think about them. And in the same token when I'm in the studio I've often got little sheets of A4 card that I'm painting on, but I don't have any particular idea of what I'm painting. So I'm really trying to work quickly. I work with one color, put it aside and let it dry and move on to the next one. So I'm building bits of illustration over time, but I'm not working on any one illustration comprehensively from start to finish in one go. It's really just a very quick intuitive dump of drawing or sketching or colour being dumped on the page essentially and then i go back and i add another squiggle or another color or another stylistic element and gradually they start to build so it can be quite a slow process because i've literally got hundreds going on at any one time and i don't have a particular plan for anything i'm just seeing what happens and i'm exploring and i'm playing and this is what i like i like to see what emerges when you're in that state where you just you actually don't have a game plan for what you're doing you're just you turn up you pick a color you get out your paintbrush and you start to do something and you see where it leads you and Sometimes what I find is I can't see where it's leading me for ages so I can keep playing and keep doodling and it's not till I put a few of them together or layer a few on top of each other that I say, oh actually that's an illustration there. One of the things that I do very occasionally is sit down and see something coming through very clearly without having uh, a plan of it. So one of the clearest memories I have of this when I was going for a lunchtime walk when I was working in Sydney and I went to the old Sydney Dance Company, which was on on the wharfs overlooking the water, and I just happened to have some paper with me and a pen. I sat down and I started drawing. And I did about 10 sketches which were actual drawings and I had no idea that I had them in my head. They literally just came out on the paper and they are still being used in my reference pieces for the illustrations for this book today even though that was about six years ago that I actually started doing them because they're quite unique. They're actually figures. They look like creatures with very long necks and elegant kind of jewellery, big long capes and it was strange. It was really coming up from some depths that I had no idea what I was drawing but they have been the foundational inspiration for the races that I'm uh, exploring in my novel and so I've continued to have those handy and build other pieces of illustration around them. So I'll show you what I mean. Uh, I'll include some uh, links to those first Uh, illustrations which were just really very basic they're literally just a very light sketch so it's just a few lines on the page but they've stuck with me and they connect with me and I've been really interested in exploring them further. Uh, but I guess what I'm coming to is just encouraging you when you're at the beginning of a project to just really feel free to use intuition as a way to just start the process. You don't have to have a game plan for what you do. The beauty of intuition is that you can start to get in touch with things that are sitting at a lower level of consciousness. So not not in the logical mindset, but more in the subconscious, more in the dream state, more in the creative place which it requires a bit of uncovering so it's like uncovering different layers of yourself and just giving yourself time to just play to you know, whatever creative project you're doing, it doesn't really matter if it's writing or drawing or illustration or photography or, you know, planning a bigger piece of work. Just letting yourself have some free flowing time to just explore ideas. So I always say when you're at the beginning of that process, just turn up and do some stuff. It doesn't really matter too much as long as you're plugging in, as long as you're letting yourself enjoy and explore the process. Things are going to come up and let yourself open up to those possibilities because that's where the real gems of creativity will start to encourage you and direct you into a space where you may not have ever known that you had some cool stuff in you and it's it's a wonderful journey it's really exciting so that's my tip on intuitive creativity today so as part of sharing with you my creative practice and the creative project that I'm working on I wanted to share with you a few things that I believe color is everything inspiration is everywhere Communing with nature should be a daily practice. Walking puts everything into perspective. Art happens when you let it breathe. Spirit will find you anywhere that you're open to it. Teachers arrive in many forms when you open yourself up to learning. And gratitude is free. So I've got life coach Amy Cook with me today. Uh, Amy's a business and life coach and she helps other people, particularly women, to get their mindset and physical environment sorted so they can go out and smash some goals. We talk about this constant need that we all have to be busy and whether it's harming or helping us. We're talking about how we can get our business brain sorted and Amy's got some tips for creative people on that front. And we're also talking about why decluttering is so important. Amy welcome to the podcast. You're a life coach and you're an expert in helping people deal with overwhelm. Um, does that sound about right? Absolutely
1: yeah I support people as they work through the things that really light them up and identify those and then clear away the things that don't so that they can have more of the stuff that they
0: want. Yeah. <laughs> Wow so how did you get to this point in your life what was your journey in taking control yourself mm. <laughs> it was a messy one yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I have three young children so my youngest has just turned five and it was Christmas 2018 actually and you just yeah, my life would be unrecognisable wow. now, so yeah, it's quite interesting when I have friends come around that haven't, yeah, the friends that you only see every few years that yeah. live out of town and stuff, they're like, oh, your life is different, yeah. Um, but seriously, we were just, it was snowed under, you know, I have um, a childcare centre, so I had 15 staff, wow. um, and that was my business that I was running, I had my three young kids, my husband was a self-employed builder, he actually still is a self-employed builder, and... Um, we were just doing everything for everyone else and nothing for ourselves and that Christmas my sister and my sister-in-law, bless them, so well-intentioned but they both wanted to host Christmas and so we were doing the you know we were stretched all over the place pleasing everyone and um, we already knew it was going to be like that and then my husband he um got a splinter in his eye. We were supposed to be at his, his sister's house at midday and he was supposed to not have worked for the two days before Christmas and this is on Christmas Eve. We were supposed to have we were already supposed to be there and he was still working. And then he called and he's like, I've just got some wood in my eye I was like, Oh this is the last thing we can handle So we just had no capacity for anything else. Yeah, it was it was just like life was just swimming by and we just weren't part of that yeah. direction at all, yeah. And so I loaded the kids in the car and all the presents and all the cooking I'd done and um, dropped him off at the emergency room down at Kenaparo and he got dealt with by the doctors and I went and got the kids settled at his sister's house and then went back and got him and we were sleeping over in their rumpus room and it was lovely you know like the actual like the social side of things and things was lovely um, and then the next morning at five o'clock in the morning Christmas day I had a phone call from the alarm company at the childcare care wow. centre And I was just like, I just don't even know what to do. Like, I can't get up and leave the house at five in the morning. Like, my kids are going to wake up, and it's late enough in the night to be morning to kids, right? And I was just, like, frozen, literally frozen. I was just like, am I allowed to swear? I (laughs) I was just like, fuck, (laughs) how did this become my life? Like... Uh, and thank goodness We have an amazing um, centre manager That does the day-to-day operations there And she called me And the alarm company had called her too And she lives with her daughter And her grandchildren But it was less important for her To be home, obviously yeah. And she called And she's like oh, I do, I'll, I'll go you, you stay with your kids I'll go I was like, oh thank you so much So yeah, blessings, right? Like, yeah. you know But those moments Like that moment of frozenness I was just like Without her Like I would have been walking Out of my out of my kids On Christmas morning To go and deal with Who knew what Nothing it happened we still don't know why the alarm went off i swear it was a message from the angels yeah, to me to yeah. just be like this is where your life is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like you need to make some changes
0: yeah. and so yeah. many so many people must have those frozen moments i'm, I'm sure i've had a thousand of them but yeah. just that inability to just kind of think past the immediate moment and yeah, just fear yeah. And...
1: and i think when you're in that you just don't actually have the space to no. comprehend how to get out of it mm. and Yeah, I was just, I mean, it was nice that it was Christmas, so we both had a couple of days off after that and we had some friends coming over from Australia for a couple of days, some good old friends that you talk about everything with, and you know, I was having a cry to her, and I was just like, how is this life, her children are older, and I was like, when does it get better, and she's like, it is what you make it, she was like, you're right, it is, yeah. and so we just, oh, we just made up this activity, I'm sure somebody's made it up before us, and for the next week, me and my husband just both sat on our bed each night individually with a separate bit of paper and he's dyslexic so this was quite challenging Mm -hmm. for him and I was like it doesn't matter what your spelling or your writing looks like but I just want you to write the five things about today that you wouldn't change Because we were at the point where we just wanted to change everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the five things that we wouldn't change every day, we just, like, we'd have a look at them at the day and we'd just tuck them away. And then after sort of a week or five days or whatever it was that we did it for, um, we looked at them and we looked at what things had come up repeatedly. And we wouldn't change our kids. Our kids are really, like, they're really lovely, compliant, Mm. exciting, fun kids. You know, like, we wouldn't change anything about them. Um, We didn't want to change each other. And we didn't want to change our neighborhood. We wanted to change our house, but not our neighborhood. Um, And then other things came up like, oh, I wouldn't have changed that tasty lasagna I had for dinner tonight. (laughs) Um, But yeah, generally, basically it was like, these are the only things that we want. We want each other. We want our kids and we want our neighborhood. And other than that, everything else could change for (laughs) for a weekend. Um, So that was really cool. Yeah, and... One of the big things that was holding us back at that time was time restrictions and clutter. So we'd moved house five years before and we still had cardboard boxes in the house that we hadn't unpacked. Yeah, I was just like, oh, <laughs> I see photos now from that time and just in the background of like the children's you know photo birthday parties and stuff. I'm like, and under that sheet in the corner, there's cardboard boxes, <laughs> yeah so yeah it's just like every photo's got like baskets on the side tables overflowing with junk yeah Yeah. and so yeah the first thing we decided to do was um we actually subscribed to a meal subscription service to start with like a you know my food bag type thing whatever it was called back then yeah and um just to ease that decision making stuff because we had fallen into a trap of eating a lot of not good food yeah um we were like right we need to get some nutrition into us and yeah obviously into the kids and um and we need to get rid of some of this junk in our house and so the kids went and stayed with their grandparents for a weekend and we hired a skip and we filled up a whole skip which environmentally felt really bad because we weren't recycling and we did do a couple of loads to the charity store Mm. to donate but it was really just a survival mode thing you know we just actually had to not worry too much about Mm. that at that time yeah um and once we did that it felt like the house was empty but I'll tell you what six weeks later we were like Picking things up. It's like, why didn't we donate this? Why didn't we declutter that? It was amazing how quickly you adapt once... You just shed the layers of crap, right? Yeah. Um, And we put in better boundaries with our workplaces as well. I mean, we're both self-employed, so, you know, obviously we have the ability to put in those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was actually the staff were all really good about it, and they're like, yeah, we know you've been working way too hard. Yeah, we know we could do more. Um, So it was us that didn't have the good Mm -hmm. boundaries. It wasn't about anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, we kind of just made some really quick changes and there was a bit of a snowball effect and then I saw um, New Zealand Life Coaching School was advertising a five-day accreditation program so it was a whole bunch of modules that you do online and then five days I chose to do it in Auckland because the Wellington one was overlapping with one of my children's birthday parties so I was yeah and so I went up to Auckland which was actually lovely because I had no distractions for that five days Mm -hmm. I just stayed in the same motel where it was actually being held in the conference room and Yeah, it was really nice. And yeah. I came out of that and I was just like, all this stuff makes sense to me. And I think maybe I think maybe a lot of it I'd learn. I've got a business communications degree mm-hmm. and um, I've done early childhood training as well. And so I think quite a lot of it sort of overlapped mm-hmm. with those two things. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like the bow that tied uh-huh. my knowledge together. Yeah. And I, I just did it for ourselves. And yeah. I thought it will also help me be a better employer as well to have yeah. those skills and to help the families at the day. I kiss into a toe oh, um, but then I realized that there's this industry of life coaches, <laughs> which seemed like a very American thing to me at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, mm, I'll just make a little website and mm. start doing this and I could help some people get organized and help with some of the mindset stuff too. And then it's just kind of gone from there. Wow. Yeah. What so, a great journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I love that I've been there, yes. you know, like I have massive empathy for my clients nice. and, You know, I feel like when I'm saying to them, like, just one little step forward is actually going to make the world of difference. It's just the tiniest step, but you're just not going to recognize yourself once you take it. Yeah. And, um, like, I'm the kind of person that remembers, like, those feelings. So, yeah, yeah, I think... um yeah, it's safe wow. for helping others Yeah, too I mean, you yeah. can't
0: ask for more than getting guidance from someone who's been through everything that they're kind of helping you with, right? Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. So you you got, your, you've got your, um, your MBA in cleaning up your own life. Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so what do you think about this drive that we all have to be busy? Is it helping us? Is it harming us? Where does it come from? Why do we find it so hard to not be busy all the time? Because our adrenals are fucked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because we're not because
1: we're busy, our sort of um the chemistry in our body and in our brain is a bit munted. And then because it's munted, we desire to be busy. So it's a cyclical thing, and it's only once you break out of that cycle and you actually calm like the hormones in your body that you see that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why it's so hard to see the shit you're in yeah. really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you're in it yeah yeah, yeah what's that saying I always get my little sayings yeah. mixed up is that you can't see the trees for the wood or you can't yeah. see the wood for the trees yeah yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It, yeah yeah it's kind of like that it's like we're all so busy and then you see mm-hmm. you attract what you put out right mm-hmm. and so then you attract a bunch of other busy people into your life and then everyone's so busy and everyone talks about being so busy and um, at one point I actually said to my friends yeah I've got a couple of um, school mum friends that we meet for coffee once or twice a week and we'd get there and they'll be like oh I'm so busy and I did this and I did that and I was just like actually guys I've got nothing on today I'm gonna have a really chill day I'm gonna read my book yeah. I'm gonna make myself a really nice lunch and I'm not busy at all but I'm actually proud of that <laughs> and they're like, all like oh okay yeah, yeah but it was so odd for somebody to say Mm -hmm. they were proud of being unbusy yeah yeah. um so yeah it is it's really damaging to our health yeah yeah I I always just think about like the example that it sets for future generations as well so yeah my daughter's 11 and you know I just think like you know 20 years from now I don't want her coming in to little old lady Amy (laughs) looking like she's been run ragged because she's trying to do everything you know and um I was, I'm chatting about this actually with an older woman a while ago and she was like oh you know when I was out there saying women can do anything you know in the past I wasn't meaning woman can do everything yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, absolutely. I was like thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah just because we can do everything doesn't mean we should do everything yeah. and um, I think it's just yeah choosing mm-hmm. your priorities choosing them wisely you know what really brings you joy mm. and yeah making sure that there is time to do more
0: Mm -hmm. of that yeah now part of your business is helping uh, people get their business brain sorted do you have any tips for artists or creative people on this front? Um,
1: yeah, it's only a little part yeah, of my business. Yeah. Yeah. It's just because I have my childcare centre and I've just got a second one recently and I've got my coaching business as well and my husband's building company. Wow. And so people just kind of come to me, people that know me come to me and they're like, yeah. oh, but you could help me with some business stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, I could, <laughs> but I'm not a business coach. But, you know, it's, you know, especially as far as like the goal setting and mindset mm. stuff goes, it's all very similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah some advice for um, like some general advice is to know what your desires are so I mean that comes into life as well as business right but actually knowing what your desires are and I think like I'm not an artist so you know but if I was going to say if I'm gonna um do these paintings. It's like, why am I doing these paintings? Am I selling these paintings or am I exhibiting with these paintings to draw attention to my work so that I can sell some other stuff or um, am I building a reputation for myself so that I can actually sell like spaces on my retreats or spaces on my, you know, online course or whatever. So knowing what your desires are, knowing what the what the end goal is and then breaking that down into steps is really important. Lots of people kind of are just Working away, working away, but they don't actually know what the destination is that they're working towards. Yeah. yeah. Secondly, take action, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's a big difference between I want to be a successful business person and I sell things to people so that I am a yeah. successful <laughs> business person. Yeah. So yeah, the actual taking action and not just talking about it. Um, and get the help that people need. Yeah, so there's a lot of chartered accountants out there that actually double as kind of a business advisor, yeah. business coach person.
0: I, I really like um, that idea of um, once you know what should, you want to put your energy to, you can get you can outsource the rest of it, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And having your good go-to people that yeah. are actually going to give you your advi- you know the advice that you need yeah. at the time, if that's you know basically filling in the gaps in your own personal yeah. knowledge with other yep. people's gaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and other than that, I would say setting up great systems because. Um, they're gonna save you time in the future mm-hmm. like I always think of setting up good systems as an investment of time so instead of just you know having receipts everywhere yeah. and then it comes mm-hmm. next time you need to find them all you know going to the effort to actually you know pop down to the warehouse and buy a folder to put yeah. them in you know, it's an investment of time that's gonna
0: save you time later so just yeah. you know the simple systems mm-hmm. um, so you've gone through your own decluttering process what why is it so important what does it give people um it gives people space so when I talk about
1: decluttering I'm talking about decluttering objects commitments and Mm, people okay (laughs) like we're not just talking about you know getting rid of your shoes you don't wear yeah Mm. it is getting rid of your shoes you don't wear but it's also getting rid of you know the people in your life that help you feel down Mm. not up and um the commitments that when you look on your calendar and I hope most people have a calendar and um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of some sort, electronical paper, I don't care. <laughs> um, when they see that commitment on their calendar, that they go, that they get excited about it and not, ugh, about it, yeah. Um, so decluttering is all those things. But removing the things that you don't need or love releases a burden on us, and it actually energizes us immensely when we get rid of that, yeah. Okay. Um, having space in your home, your workplace, your schedule, your heart, along with some clear intentions of what you want there, Um, enables that space to just be utilised for something better because Mm. something better can't come along while our life is full of the stuff that's not ideal for us. That's beautiful, actually, isn't it, (laughs) to think
0: about that? Mm. Yeah. Lovely. And what about the things that are kind of more day-to-day? So is it similar for why you kind of want to get your housework under control just so you're getting that clarity generally?
1: Yeah, housework's an interesting one. Um, I don't like housework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people do, right? I don't like housework. Um, but yeah, I think it's even just that clarity about what housework means to you. Mm. So um, you know, as long as my kitchen and bathrooms are hygienic and the rest of the house is relatively well presented, I'm happy. Mm. You know, if the kids, you know, little Matchbox cars are all over the floor and there's an undone jigsaw puzzle at one end of the dining table, I actually don't care. Mm. Um, but some people do and that's yeah. okay too. Yeah. You know, it's it's all fine, right? Yeah. Um, the people that do care, they might not care if there's not a spare packet of Lou roll in the cupboard. But that's something that would bother me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God gonna spare that, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Especially this year, right? After yeah. last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so, yeah, just like prioritizing the housework, mm-hmm. I think, is really important, you know, and deciding how much of a priority is mm-hmm. it to you. I don't mean prioritize it highly, I just mean actually make a conscious decision about that and mm-hmm. don't just get sucked into the we have to do our housework yeah. every week kind yeah. of Lovely.
0: stuff. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. Thank you, Amy. It's been great to chat. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, that was life coach Amy Cook with me today. If you're interested in finding out more about Amy's work, you can head over to her website, sortingyou.com. I'm also, going to have the transcript of our chat and a link to her site on the episode notes for the podcast. So, my creative project, as I've started talking about, is about illustrating my novel. So, I'm working on my second novel and it's part of the Betrue series. The illustrations are the project that I'm working through as part of my six-month creative piece of work, but I thought I'd share a bit about the bigger picture piece and the ideas that I'm interested in exploring. So I've got a proposition that I want to share with you which is part of my thinking. So here it is. Have you ever thought about how amazing it would be if we could commune with all other living creatures? So not just ourselves but our animals, the ocean, trees, stars and more ambitiously with the universe and everything that's in it including other world intelligence. What if we could communicate and commune with all other living creatures? You'll notice I say communication and commune. I do think these are two different things. I think communication is the exchange of information. But communing is understanding. It's heartfelt, it's empathetic, and it's about connection with other beings. What if we could have that sense of connection and understanding with other creatures without the without the need for language per se. What if there was a different kind of language that we could feel through our bodies that came up through our our subconscious, through our intuition, and it made its way up into our sensory perception in a different way than we currently perceive language and information. So this is my idea. What if we could commune and communicate with other kinds of life and other kinds of intelligence that are out there that we currently just can't wrap our heads around, how to connect with, how to understand how to communicate with, and even uh, wrapping our heads around the fact that they're out there, we just don't know how to connect. So since my 20s, I've been interested in other forms of intelligence that are out there in the universe. I've always had a bit of an issue with the idea of aliens because I think that's a very specific concept And I think that other forms of intelligence can be far more subtle and can be far more present around us in our sensory environment without there having to be a physical embodied presence of another species, which to me is what aliens conjure up. What if there could be different kinds of intelligence in our environment that come from other places, that come from beyond our understanding of Earth and the existence we live in as humans? What if we could perceive those through our body? What if we could perceive them through art? What if there was language, intelligence and information that was available to us without having to travel anywhere, without having to find new planets, new galaxies? What if that was all here and it was just a matter of shifting our awareness to pick up those signals and using different parts of our body to interpret them. So I believe the exploration of these different kinds of communing and communication capabilities will allow us a far more fulfilling human experience, allowing us to perceive the world around us through a much more complex, heartfelt, and generous range of filters. And I believe that they'll take us to a place where the subconscious, the instinctive and the heartfelt all have a more pronounced position in how we understand and share our experience of existence as humans here right now on this planet. So my goal with the book was to create a space where they were starting to awaken to these possibilities. And the book is just one way that I wanted to explore what I've been thinking about since my 20s and use the format of fiction to start exploring it. And then as I started finding my art was telling part of the story, trying to find a way to connect those. So that's the main idea that I'm interested in exploring through my creative practice. Well, that's it for our episode today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Next time, on the productivity front, we're going to be talking about how you can set intentions and goals for your own creative project. My podcast chat is with local Cappy Coast artist, Emma Herkus, And on the mindfulness front, I'm going to be talking about four easy things that I do and that you can try as well as easy mindfulness techniques to deepen into your own creativity. So see you then.